Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. The Archaeology Podcast Network is sponsored by Codify, a California benefit corporation. Visit Codify at www.codifi.com. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Podcast, Episode 7. I'm Chris Webster. And I'm April Camp Whitaker. On today's show, we are going to be interviewing archaeologist Colin Amundsen about his blog and podcast, Cooking with Archaeologists. Let's dig a little deeper. All right, we're here for Episode 7 of the uh, Archaeology Show, and... I first heard about Colin Amundsen when he uh, actually messaged me on Facebook about the Archaeology Podcast Network, and that's that's when I found out that he has a podcast of his own, which we'll get into later. But uh, first off, Colin, how's it going? I'm well, Chris. Thanks. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as an archaeologist, and then we'll get into all the other fun stuff later. Okay. I'm an archaeologist. I studied, uh, when I was doing my PhD, I focused in on uh, zoo archaeology. So I, I worked in Norway from starting in 2001 when I did my PhD project up in the Arctic region of Norway. Nice. Uh, and then I graduated in 2008 from the City Uni- University of New York. And from 2008 until today, I've been basically working in the field, mostly in Nor- Norway as a field archaeologist. Okay. Is that where you live? Do you live up in Norway then? No, I, I did for a while. I've lived yeah. in Norway for a while, but now I'm back in the States. I, gotcha. I live in Maine. Nice, nice. I hear you guys are getting a lot of snow up there. It's end of December as we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, today we didn't get any snow. I mean, other parts of Maine got snow, but I'm, a, yeah. I'm right on the coast, so we didn't get any snow. We got a lot of rain. Right, right. Um, well, what I really wanted to talk to you about was your podcast called Cooking with Archaeologists. Um, I first became aware of it as we're recording now, just uh, less than a week ago, and uh, and I really liked it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the show is about, and uh, and then we'll we'll talk about some of the, some of the guests you've had on. Okay, cool. Um, so the show is about you know just interviewing archaeologists, which in a, any level I don't really care because everyone has their own view of archaeology. Everyone has gotten into it for their own reasons. Whether you're a bachelor's student or a long-term professor, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. It's not important. Um, and then the so I, I want to know what people are thinking about archaeology, what they're doing in archaeology, and kind of the other side of it is one of the things from doing field work for so long and working on some really cool projects and with some great archaeologists who also turned out to be really good cooks. That's how I learned how to cook was in in the field. Um, so I always, it, for us, it was always such a big moment to, to have a meal at the end of the day. And so I really wanted to kind of express that to, to the general public because they really don't know about the lives of archaeologists. And this is kind of one facet of, 
of mm-hmm. archaeological life is is cooking and eating. And we do talk a lot about food. And and my uh, co-creator, Chris, I mean, she and I spent lots of times working in the kitchen after field work <laughs> and preparing meals for everyone. So, so the end of the program is usually a sharing of a meal and a story, which is a, another aspect that I'm trying to pull out of the uh, podcast is storytelling mm-hmm. and because there's some great as everyone knows there's always some cool funny stories that happens when you're in the field so i just want the general public to know all about that that's awesome everybody knows that's been on a field archaeology project that that last couple hours of the day that's like pretty much dinner is the only thing on your mind maybe a shower too i don't know they're <laughs> and a beer yeah a shower a beer and, and a dinner yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much it yeah yeah. Oh my God. I, I actually worked with, uh, uh, well, kind of worked with April a little bit out at their project field project in Southeastern Colorado this summer. And, and it was, you know, it's so hot out there. All you want to do is get back into the air conditioning and, and make dinner and get it going. Well, they had somebody making dinner for them, which was really nice. So, um, that's nice. Well, we actually have the home economics teacher from the local school cooking <laughs> awesome. for us. And so the cuisine that we get is, um, truly monumental uh we get (laughs) fabulous things like chicken fried steak which i Uh, think you're only allowed to eat after working a full day in the field so yeah 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 so Uh, i got i mean it's kind of a funny well here's the story part can i tell a story go ahead yeah about how this all well it's not so much how it happened but this happened years ago when i started doing my phd project and uh i was working up in norway and i got up there up, up to trump's university and um I was working with uh, Bjarne Olsen. He was running this project. And before we went out into the field, we had to stop by um, the local international food shops because they have all the, the ingredients that you want. And mm-hmm. and he's a phenomenal cook. So, And the rule was that he does all the cooking. So uh, we, we stopped before we drove our like six or eight hours to start our survey project. <clears throat> we stopped there. He collected everything that he needed. And we and that was like probably the most important thing to grab is all that stuff. And then we drove out to the to the field and we did our survey work. But every night we would have like Thai food. So we'd be in these uh these uh, you know uh cabins that no one was we'd you know just rent these cabins. We're not <laughs> not even rent them, but they're just cabins out there that no one was using that he had got permission to use, no electricity or running water, and he'd be creating like a, a Thai meal for us and it was really nice. God, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what uh, what are some some of your most memorable episodes, like guests you've had on, and uh, and and probably independent of that question is most memorable recipes? Because maybe maybe somebody had better archaeology than than the recipes. Well, first, do you try all the recipes? Uh, I do. I try. Yeah, I do. I <laughs> I try all the recipes. I try to when I can. But uh, yeah, I I've tried. I haven't tried them all, but I've I've. I've uh, I've got about through three quarters of them, so <laughs> nice. And they're it's good. There were some really um, interesting looking recipes on there, like ones for bone marrow and things like that. That might be a little more oh. challenging to try out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my favorite one. That's the one I did try. Really? Yeah, that's the one. I, yeah, I recently tried that one, and I liked it. That was from Bill Schindler from uh, at Washington College. But and he was a great. Um, he was a great guest. I mean, they're all great, of course. Every every guest brings something different, um, and I th- I really liked his uh, talk because he was one of the f- you know one of the few professors that actually talked on the show has actually been talked on the show. 
Um, and and now I know why he is so popular. And I think last year he won the National Dis you know, Distinguished Professor Award mm. because he's so engaging. And I learned so much when 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 he was talking. It was really I really I really enjoyed that conversation. And the flip side of that conversation with him was, you know, he's an academic, but he also is really open and talking about bringing non-academic archaeologists, you know, you know the the amateur archaeologists, the guys who are doing, you know, a lot of the the other things like doing the flint work, and you know, he he was talking about all these people that he had run into when he lived in, I think it was in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and kind of and kind of paying respect to them and acknowledging that their contribution to archaeology, which I thought was really, really great. Um, and he was just saying that he's learned from these guys. And so that was a really, uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. Nice. Uh, and how many episodes have you done so far? Uh, 22. 22. Awesome. Um, well, I, we were talking before the show. I've listened to the last one. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't familiar uh, with the name of the recipe but when he started describing it your guest uh javier when he started describing the recipe i was like i was like oh this sounds kind of like tomato soup or something like that like i wasn't sure what what he was talking about and i'm looking at the pictures on the website which is great that you have the the photographs there and then you can link in and get the recipe um but it's called uh what sal salmorejo so i don't know how to pronounce that um i, I yeah i can't remember i have to look it up <laughs> yeah but it looks delicious and i want to make it now so yeah yeah that one i have not made yet and i'd like to and it was interesting because you said it sounds like tomato soup and he was saying um i'm not sure if it's in the podcast or not or after you know the kind of the post podcast when you're chatting afterwards right. and he was saying that his uh american colleagues were saying oh it's just like tomato soup here try some tomato soup and he's just <laughs> he tried it and he said it was good but he's like it's not at the same level Right. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my words. Those probably weren't his words, but he was basically saying, yeah, it was, it's a little different than what he, he's, he's uh, introducing and sharing with us. Nice. Well, um, have you ever thought about putting all these recipes? I mean, you've got 22 right now, um, maybe producing an, an annual uh, recipe book or something like that, even online. Cause I think, and I would, I would even, you know, get the permissions of course, and maybe include a little bit of the story, like a little written story, and then a recipe book to, you know, a recipe to go with it. That would be fantastic. I think, I think I'd buy that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of actually, that's funny you bring this up because that's actually the original idea was, mm -hmm. um, um, <clears throat> was going to go that route. And, um, I was talking with a, a cousin of mine and he's a, he, he publishes, uh, he's a writer and he publishes children's books. And, um, he, uh, he suggested that I start with a, a blog first mm -hmm. and he said, and he worked, he worked as an editor for years and he said, you know, they get tons of cooking books and things like that. So why don't you create, he said, suggested create a following and see how that goes. And originally I had started off with a blog and you know, it's really hard to get people to write stuff. So I felt like it's, it's way easier to get people to talk. People love to talk. So it's just <laughs> easier. <laughs> so, um, so I, t I, I went that route and thinking that, yeah, eventually I'll, I'll transform uh, the 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 podcast into some type of book, and that's mm -hmm. and I'll you know probably uh, you know probably probably have to do self publishing or something, mm -hmm. whichever way. I, I have not no idea right now how I'm going to do it, but yeah, that's definitely on the on the yeah. uh, agenda. 
it seems like Amazon's print-on-demand service, um, where you pretty much do all the work, or maybe for a couple hundred bucks hire an editor, you know, to, to sort it all out. But um, their print-on-demand service sounds like a good way to go because you don't have to have like you know three hundred of them printed and then have them sitting in your garage and worry about selling them. You just have them online, and then they. I, I actually got a book from an archaeologist that did that up in Canada just like six months ago, and it's freshly printed right when you you hit the purchase button. It prints binds the book it's an actual book and then sends it to you and it says it has the copyright date but it also has the printing date in there which was i thought was pretty cool oh that's so, really cool I'll yeah that out yeah it's pretty neat because usually in academic publishing anyways you have to do all the work anyways right i mean i remember <laughs> it's like i remember do we did a book uh some years ago and yeah we had to do everything and mm -hmm. i was thinking to myself who's who's winning out of this deal <laughs> Well, and not only that, but I mean, the, the cut that you end up getting, you know, I mean, I, I wrote a book for Left Coast Press, which is now owned by Rutledge. And uh, they, I mean, I get like, I get like 8%, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, and this isn't Harry right. Potter, so I don't have the heavy book sales that really make an 8% worth it. But, um, right, right, right. you know, so I mean, we all do this because we love it, right? But it's nice to see a little bit of a kickback. And I think self-publishing is probably the way to go in 2017. It's way easier than it used to be, so... But yeah, true. yeah, but this is about archaeology. So how do you, um, I, I'm curious as to how you, uh, I mean, you've probably got a pretty huge network given where you've worked and what you've done of people that you can call on. Uh, but how do you decide who you're going to do on an interview? Do you, do you think about, um, do you think about the recipe first or do you think about the archaeology first and then ask them if they've got anything fun that they cook? It's uh, whoever answers the email. <laughs> I know that game. <laughs> whoever answers that email. Um, and generally what I find, this is just advice for everyone, even whatever, whatever you're doing in mm -hmm. life, um, you know, using your network helps. And then, you know, using, you know, people, what I usually do is I ask whoever I've interviewed, I ask them for contacts mm -hmm. and that makes it the intro a lot easier to whomever I'm going to contact. So, um, and that's happened a lot in several cases with this podcast is just, it's just using when I have my contacts and, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny though, when you contact people who think, you know, that you're, you're close with, or you've known for years and they don't get back to you, then you realize, okay, maybe we're <laughs> not so close. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, but, uh, generally it's, it's, yeah, just using, using a network. Um, and I've tried some cold, cold calls, you know, cold emails, and uh, mm -hmm. that's worked, uh, you know, maybe 50% of the time. And, and then, uh, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work. It, whatever is going on in people's lives, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people just don't want to do it. I do notice, though, that there is an age difference on the people who accept yeah. going on the podcast. I think uh, younger people, younger academics, are more open to this type of, of format. I've I've reached out to older older archaeologists and um, yeah, some of them haven't really really been that interested in it because um, it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit more foreign for mm -hmm. them. Well, and then there's the technology aspect. I've I've noticed that with some people. I I mean I've interviewed I guess hundreds of people probably at this point in the last four years oh. of podcasting and yeah, and it's a uh, you definitely see the curve there for how many people you I have to use my Skype credit for and just call them rather than have them figure out Skype and make sure it's updated. <laughs> that's right, that's exactly. always an issue. <laughs> um, yep. 
yeah. Well, uh, this is this is really great. Um, so, what what are some of the other? Uh, I'm interested in some of the other like your favorite uh, experiences on this podcast. And after the break, in a couple of minutes, I want to talk about sort of some of the feedback you've had from it. But but until then, um, can you think of any other that are really your favorites that uh, that maybe listeners to this show um, are finding you for the first time can go and check out? Uh, well, the, actually, I mean. Uh... As far as the, the most recent one, I'm, I'm actually editing that one right now, and I'll publish it probably later today, is with mm-hmm. uh, Sonali Gupta. Um, and she's she's great. I mean, really interesting person. She's out in University of California, Los Angeles, and um, she worked on some Greco-Roman sites doing pottery and mm. doing some ethno-archaeology stuff, which was fascinating what she did. Uh, but she herself is fascinating because she started out as a lawyer and a real, uh, uh, you know, courthouse lawyer. That's, that's her original wow. background. And then she got into archaeology. She was uh, a lawyer back in India. And then she, when she came to the United States, she was still practice law. And then she, you know, followed her passion into, to archaeology. Uh, and and the conversation, our conversation was really, you know, she was a really interesting person, and and talking about um, just kind of going with what you what you have, working with, you know, you're following, you know, following your passions, which is a good idea. Um, you know, if you can make money at your passions, that's that's even better. You know, it's <laughs> like so. I mean, you have to be realistic. Yeah. But. Um, it was it was a really really great interview just to talk to her about talked about archaeology and there's you know talk about life a little bit and kind of the struggles that we all we all have and you know in in general like a lot if it's always interesting the post talks are always I, I enjoy the most mm-hmm. I don't record them but they're really great um, and just to hearing other people talk about just you know because we all as archaeologists we all kind of have the same um, same struggles in a little bit in the same right general way you know you know if if you're a contract archaeologist you're always looking for work you know if you're a you your new phd you're looking to try to get a job anywhere and it's and you know, it's it's really kind of a you know it's 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 nice it's a, it's a weird way to say it, but it's a, it's nice to hear other people are going through the same things and kind of share <laughs> those experiences so so you don't feel so alone indeed indeed i agree all right. Well, we're gonna come. We're gonna go to a break real quick, and when we come back, we'll we'll talk about a little more of your uh, your motivations behind this, and maybe some of the uh, some of the feedback you've received from it. All right. Back in a second. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. 
we're back. And you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Colin. Um, first off, I, I I just started teaching with the Center for Digital Archaeology. We've done one webinar on this so far, but it's called uh, the webinar is called Pod- Podcasting for Archaeology, with a focus on on really how easy it is to get started, depending on what you want to do, and um, and then the public archaeology. Uh, benefit that you can get from that because podcasts are accessible to everyone and they're they're 99.9 percent of the time free there are some paid ones you can get out there but all the stuff you find on itunes google whatever they're all usually free so they're really accessible for the whole entire planet as long as you can hear which you know is one thing there's the deaf people out there there are transcription services so they can read it but most people can hear and they can uh they can get good benefit from your podcast so i want to hear when you decided that maybe a podcast was the way to go. What was the what was the route you took to that? Did you already have some gear? Did you have to go out and buy some stuff? You know, what was your what was your setup and learning curve for that? Um, yeah. So, you know, what what well, like I said earlier, what really pushed me to going towards podcasting is uh, the fact that it was really hard to get people to write stuff for the blog. And <clears throat> the other side of it is, I really like. Um, talk radio, like I love talk. I could listen to talk radio, all types. I don't really <laughs> care what it is. I just, I'll listen to it. Um, I used to listen to when I worked in Norway, I used to listen to this show called coast to coast AM. Oh yeah. And do you know the show? It's <laughs> I great. know that show. It's a great show. Yeah. It's such a great show, <laughs> but it was so on the East coast of the United States, I could never listen to it cause it was so late, but over in Norway, you know, I get to work at eight o'clock in the morning. I could listen to the show and and my colleagues would be like, what are you listening to? You know, talking about <laughs> aliens and werewolves. I was like, this is great radio. Yeah. So I have really a lot of respect for radio. I think it's such a great way to communicate and reach out to people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so kind of get into the podcast was just, you know, kind of a natural, you know, knowing that it was hard to get people to, uh, write. And I was, I was a little bit apprehensive. I was a little bit nervous about the whole thing and, you know, still am. Uh, for the most part, um, <laughs> but getting getting that that all started, I just started googling things, and then um, I came across uh, this podcaster, um, and he was his service is really you know he talks to entrepreneurs and he uh, also runs a po- uh, his podcast is also talking about you know getting how to how to get your podcast going. And can I, can I plug him? Can yeah, I say his Yeah, go ahead. Name? Cause I probably listened to it. So it was, yeah. So it was, it was John Lee Dumas. Oh yeah. And he's an entrepreneur of, on he, fire. Yes. Entrepreneur on fire. And it, yeah. you know, it was really interesting listening to his, you know, cause his, uh, his podcast and basically he sets you up with what to do and how to do it. And that's how, that's mm-hmm. how I followed it. I followed his, his formula. Cause I, there's so many different ways to go. And I just said, you know, I listened to his podcast I, I never listened to his podcast, but I listened to how to set up a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a free sign up for like eight or like 15, you know, um, that's what I did. And, nice. and so I bought, uh, you know, I bought a mic. I have, uh, I can't remember the brand I can tell you later, but you know, and then I, I downloaded audacity, which is free software. Yep. And then I started using, and then I had Skype and then I started using, uh, Pamela, uh, call recorder for Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all that's worked out fine. Um, only recently did I change out of, uh, you know, using Pamela Paul call recorder. And, you know, now I use uh, voice meter banana, which is 
kind of a virtual mixing board. Um, so I can plug in, you know, I have uh, the inputs from my, my, my mic and then from Skype, and then I can bring in music as well. And then it's uh, the recorders right there as well. Mm-hmm. And it seems a little bit more stable. Um, <laughs> and then I bought, um, you know, new, um, recently I just bought new, um, cause I was using earbuds and then now I bought, mm-hmm. um, your, your headsets. Yeah. Yep. And I bought a, a boom and I don't know, I don't know what it's called, but that <clears throat> there's a thing between the mic and me. It's your, like a your pop filter, pop filter. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. been the best thing. Actually, the pop filter that blew me away. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I've, I'm running one of those right now. I, I've been podcasting for uh, five years now, and wow. uh, I know. And just in the last like month and a half, I finally got a boom to get this really crazy setup off my desk, so I could actually access my keyboard and mouse while I'm doing all this. Yes. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, my God, I can't believe how long I waited to do that. And the boom <laughs> actually came with uh, with a pop filter that I can stick in front of the mic. And um, so I've only been doing that for about a month. But, you know, that's kind of the whole point of all this is, you know, you did a little bit of research and you bought a little bit of gear. You don't have to buy that gear over again. The initial outlay is as much. I mean, you can spend thousands of dollars or you can spend a hundred dollars. You know, I mean, it really just really just depends on on how much you want to get into it. But I would say anybody that wants to try something like this, spend as little money as you can because you can always upgrade later if it's something you want to keep going. Because it is, you know, as you'll admit, Colin, I'm sure the biggest commitment to this is not financial. It's time because... Exactly. Yeah, I mean, every podcast, I think the one I listened to that you did last was uh, was just under 30 minutes or something like that. But that 30 minutes involves... You know, sending out the emails, setting up the audio, the pre and post talking, and then, you know, editing and show notes. It's <laughs> just all yeah, the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, show notes. Uh, yeah, that's good. I don't even do that. Um, but I mean, I had to get up for, for that one. He was in, I, he was in, I think he was in, yeah, he's in Madrid. So I yeah. was up, I was up at 3.30 in the morning to call <laughs> him up. So, you know, yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of time and uh, invested in, in doing each podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, especially, you know, you're doing, you, you mostly talk to, to academics. It sounds like on your podcast and I mean, they could really be anywhere in the world, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be ready for that. It's only rarely that we've interviewed people in other countries. Like I remember we had Australia one time. Um, but I have like four pot, four co-hosts for that podcast and they're spread out all over the country all over the United States. So he actually accommodated uh-huh. us and got up at, I think two o'clock in the morning or whatever it was to, to do that podcast. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing, but, um, I think you're right too, with the aspect of blog versus podcast, it's way easier to get people to, to just talk and, and have a conversation rather than to write. It's way easier for me to do that. I, I mean, I had a blog that was going strong until, um, until I really kicked off the podcast and then the podcast network that we started two years ago, I've all but stopped blogging on that because I, I simply don't have the time and I feel like my opinions are out there enough on like the four shows I'm on a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. People great. get enough yeah. of me in my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, I mean, it's great. Yeah, I saw your stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's good. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I really enjoy talking to people. Um, I used to play like a game. So I, I would live, I lived in Norway and I lived here and I'd come back to the United States, you know, around Christmas time and, yeah, I didn't really really have that many friends around here. So I'd just go to the like the local bar and I'd always say to myself, okay, 
you're going to stay. Once you hear a good story, then you have to go home. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. But mm -hmm. every, every night, every time, <laughs> not that I went there every night, but I went once a week, something like that. It's coming out now. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'd go there and I just have like a great conversation with, with whoever, like, doesn't matter. Um, could be a fisherman, could be anyone. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people always had a great story to tell. So I'm like, really? Yeah. It's just great to hear what people have to say. Yeah, well, I mean, archaeology is all about—it's uh, all about storytelling and 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 about listening to the stories as well and fitting that into the into the narrative. I think so. You know, that's True. why it's, that's why it's great that you your podcast format is talking about the archaeology and really you know in in the way that we do storytelling and then and then having the recipe after that. I like that. I like that format a lot. Well, thanks. Thanks. I think it's interesting. One one of the things you mentioned is that you wanted to kind of bring forward the lifestyle of the archaeologist through kind of not only the research that we do, but the food ways that we get engaged in um, and kind of help the public understand what it is we do through this medium. Do you think you're having a lot of success with that? What's your kind of listening audience like? Do you know? Uh, <clears throat> I, I actually do. I mean, I think I have a, I have a general idea um, as far as the listeners now, and I looked, I forget what, I think it was through, uh, I can't remember. So I had an idea of like, as far as the percentage is mostly females for one, uh, that listen to the show. <clears throat> um, and as far as feedback, I get a lot of feedback from, from other archeologists who, who, who really like it. Um, I don't really get any feedback so much much from the general public and the, the little bit I have has been always very positive. Um, the, the one thing, one, one, uh, thing that kind of changed the format of the show a little bit was when I first did my, my, when I had done the very first podcast or maybe it was the second podcast, I had a, a buddy of mine who's not an archeologist. He's a kind of entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Listen, listen to the podcast and I got feedback from him. Um, you know, I, you know, you always want to get like you guys were. What we're kind of talking about is, you, you know, you want to get feedback from your, the general public. You know, whatever product you're doing, you want to right. get feedback. Yeah. And and so, even though it was coming from one person, yeah, I kind of took it, you know, as 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 kind of a blanket thing because he kind of is a you know all around guy and all that. So he he his his comment was, uh, what why do I care about somebody who's never had a job? Um, I want, I want to learn something. So why don't you <laughs> think about that? And I was like, okay, yeah. Cause he, I was like, okay, you got a, you got a point. Um, you know, I was interviewing a friend of mine who's really a fantastic archeologist, but we were just talking about stories and he had a great story, but, um, he had a good point, which was if he's going to listen to a podcast, he wants to learn something new. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of, you know, it's you know the pivoting part of of any on any business is that's that was a pivot for me was at getting that feedback because mm -hmm. I felt like it was a strong he had a strong sentiment you know feeling about it so I was like okay this is I gotta I gotta pivot and change the way I, I present this podcast yeah I, I think that's really useful I always use my husband as that guinea pig I call him the every man <laughs> uh, because he's yeah. not an archaeologist and he's picked it all up by hanging out with archaeologists and so it's it's nice to have someone you can just say, does this make sense? Are there words here you don't understand? Does this matter to you? Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. That's very critical. Um, and I think that's 
that is uh, the point of everything is, is, and people have to be open. You can't be afraid to, to pivot, right? In, in business, you do this all the time. You, you have to be able to change. You got to get feedback. Um, you know, one of the things that this John Lee Dumas talked about was create your avatar and, and think about who you're, you're, you're podcasting to, right? So who's, right. who's the person you're podcasting? So I had this, uh, an idea of a person. It, it's an actually, it's a real, real person. He's a, the English guy who lives in Australia and I've, I've known him for a long, like almost 20 years. So he was my avatar. But then <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, then I got my feedback of who's actually listening to the show. And it, it, he, he wasn't my avatar. Like my avatar is probably <laughs> is a female, probably, you know, most likely, uh, university educated between, you know, late twenties to mid thirties. That's what mm -hmm. I, I think is, would be my general audience for the podcast. But it's interesting to to just get that feedback, both you know from people and also from like say mm -hmm. uh, I forget what that the analytic part page is, but it comes back when you're on your Facebook page and and tells you. Oh right, yeah. Listen, yeah. Well, you use Libsyn too for your hosting. They have some pretty good analytics. Yeah, maybe it was Libsyn. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Libsyn. Yeah. I use Libsyn for my hosting. Is actually, I forgot about that part. Yeah. 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 They have some. I just I just recently um, dropped them. I, I tried them out for about a year on one of my shows. But if I can't put all what's at the end of January going to be eighteen of our podcasts on there, then I don't want to do it. So the only reason I dropped them because it's at twenty dollars a month for the package that I was using. I mean that gets a little pricey when you got a ton of shows. But for just one, yep. that's actually really good. I, I love their stability and their um and the the stats that they give you back. And you know another note on comment. I hear John Lee Dumas say that all the time. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing about his show, for people that have never heard of uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, is, you know, he has a very, a very strict show format. You know, he's very specific questions that he asks in a very specific order. I mean, there's chat and there's back and forth, but there, he really kind of keeps it going. And it's less than, usually less than 30 minutes. And one of the reasons he does that is because he has a podcast every day. And, I mean, yes. every day of the week, 365 days a year, there is a show and it's a new show and it's not a repeat. And the way that he's able to do that is he, he, he batch schedules episodes. Like he'll record 15 or 20 in one day and then be done with it. And I think at this point, since he's got a, he's, he's always saying it, he's got a six or seven figure business doing this. Um, cause he does other things as well. I'm pretty sure he has an editor and somebody that does all that other hard work for him. And all he does is probably find the people and then do all the recording. And, uh, so that makes it a little easier. But going back to your comment about content, you know, you want to learn something with your podcast. That's really hard, actually, for me to do because, you know, we and, and I appreciate you. You know, yours comes out when you want it to come out. You're not you're not on a strict schedule, which is actually really good because then you can focus and you say, well, I'm not pressured to put out something that's subpar. I can wait until I have something I really like that's good, and then put that out to your audience. Um, all of our shows on the APN are on a schedule, and that makes it. That makes it tough to to figure out who your audience for these show is shows are, and to find the right interviews and to find the right topics. Because, like for example, when I'm on the CRM Archaeology podcast, I don't mind talking about jargon. I don't mind not explaining acronyms and doing different things like that because I'm pretty sure our entire audience is CRM archaeologists. I mean, why else would you be listening to that crazy show if you weren't a CRM archaeologist? But <laughs> this show, <laughs> this show, we intend for general audiences. So. If a guest comes on and they and they they are speaking in t uh, about techniques or terms or something like that 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 I feel like the um, 
the general audience might not know, I'll have them explain those sorts of things. So it, you really have to know, you know, uh, knowing who your audience is, is a really good exercise to think about. Um, and then hopefully you get some analytics and some feedback like you did, and you can actually find out who your audience is and then maybe, you know, uh, tailor your, your comments or the way you talk to them. I don't know if that makes any sense. <clears throat> yeah, it does. And I, 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 I was honestly trying to do what John Lee Dumas does, but I was doing it like a, a weekly basis. And I, right. I took it as his advice, which was stack them all up. Oh, and yeah. This was bef- this was before I actually launched it. So I had like 10 l- ready to go when I launched and it was great. Mm-hmm. And then you hit like a ro- then I hit like some snags and it was just like, <laughs> and then it's just like, then I went back into doing field work and then I was just like, wiped out like every day and i was just like oh my god i gotta do a podcast and i mm-hmm. you know it, it was like every, and i was trying to get one out a week once a week and i've been trying to that's what i've been really trying to do but it's been very def- difficult and mm-hmm. you know this this autumn when i got out of the field then i and then i picked up some more work and then it was just like oh god so um but um you know having a schedule i think is a good thing and that's I'm actually trying to be on a schedule. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not happening. April and I, but I commend you on you guys keeping your schedule because that's great. I mean, that's what you really want to do. So, I'm a slacker. Well, I'll tell you what, you're you're preaching to the choir too. You you really are. Oh, you're definitely preaching to the choir. We started with a backlog and have slowly worn it down. I think that's the nature of things like blogging and podcasting is you start, yeah. you know, you need to be regularly producing content in order for people to follow and kind of keep up on it. But it's actually really, really challenging to do that because we all have lives. And mm-hmm. a lot yes. of, for a lot of us, this isn't our jobs. This is something no. we do because we enjoy it and we want to share. Um, so yeah, we, Chris and I understand. <laughs> yeah. Good, 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 yeah. good, good, good. <laughs> we do. I mean, as, as if you're listening to this episode as the audience and, and you're listening to it on the day that it came out, it's mid January, some time frame. I don't have the, the exact date on that, but you know, just to put that into perspective, right after we're done with this interview, April and I are recording another episode, which is coming out tomorrow, which will be December, um, 30th, the 31st, December 31st, 31st or yeah, New Year's yeah, Eve episode. We're, we're, we're doing these backwards just because of timing, but also because that's a more timely episode for that time frame. But when you're putting one out every two weeks, that, uh, that backlog gets destroyed pretty quickly if you don't stay on top of it. So it, hopefully, it hopefully this episode with you will help us get back on track. <laughs> good, good. No, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> No. All right. Well, we're gonna take our we're gonna take our final break real quick, and uh, and then we'll come back and and wrap up this discussion uh, with Colin all about uh, cooking for archaeologists and podcasting and public archaeology. Back in just a second. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we're back. And something I wanted to ask you, Colin, last segment, but we ran out of time, was uh, a little bit more about feedback. We talked about feedback a little bit and, and stuff that you've heard, but from a public archaeology standpoint, you mentioned uh, you mentioned your friend wanting to learn something from your podcast. Have you had anybody approach you that, that wasn't an archaeologist? It probably would be family and friends and things like that. Um, but that said, you know, hey, I really learned something or, or anything like that. I know feedback is notoriously hard to get with podcasting. I mean, in, in years of podcasting, we get very few comments because people just don't have time. It's not that they don't want to comment. Right. They just don't have time, right? So... Um, have you received anything like that or even moving forward um, into like conferences and stuff? I always get people coming up to me at conferences, partly weirdly because they recognize my voice, which is always strange. And they hear me talking <laughs> in the exhibit hall or something. <laughs> and they're like, that's great. They're like, hey, are you on a podcast? And then then we talk about, you know, what what kind of impact it had on them. So have you had anything back like that that kind of keeps you going? Or is it like talking into the void sometimes? Um, yeah, a little bit. But then every now and then somebody pops up and gives you a little boot bump, right? Like you gave me a bump. Like I was like, all right, cool. Um, some recognition. Cause that's, you know, it, it helps. It keeps it, you motivated. Being it does. Recognized. Um, this last, uh, when I was in the field, I got a, a, um, a, uh, invite to go and do a, uh, well, first I got that invite. There's an invite to do a TEDx talk, mm-hmm. which was great. But then, then I got this invite to, uh, uh, the Southeastern archeological conference, to give a talk on public outreach and podcast oh. podcasting or it was just public outreach. It wasn't about podcasting, but it was just, it was just public outreach. That, I was and that was just a, yeah. Oh, you were there. Yeah. We were in the book room. We had oh. the, the booth called codify with digital archeology. span I was in that booth. Oh my God. I walked through there. I didn't, I should have, <laughs> ah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I went to there. It was like a three minute talk and the, I was the moderator Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. No one had ever, you know, besides the, the woman who invited us to the conference, uh, I think when, when she asked, had anyone ever heard the show, I think in a room of, uh, maybe 80 people, I think like three people <laughs> and me put our hands up. Um, so no one had really ever heard of it, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that was like a nice, interesting interaction. And for me it was cause I never really viewed, I don't, for some reason I don't, I, don't, I almost don't view doing the podcast as public outreach. I just, I almost view it as just, I mean, it is, but I just don't look at it. I, I you know what I mean? I just don't look at it that way. I, Cause I've seen I, at this conference, I saw how other people are doing public outreach and I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. And, and I just felt like I was, we're doing, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little bit different. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but I just, I, Maybe because I enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm also and I'm also used to like when I do excavation, we we always have public outreach, and that usually involves you know, the public comes to the site and you give them a tour and they see stuff, and nobody really you know unless you're you know you're up on speed with on the history of the area or or Viking periods or hmm. Bronze Age, Stone Age periods, you really don't know what you're looking at. It's just you know it's just <laughs> stuff. So um, <clears throat> that's generally been my introduction to. Uh, public outreach has been through excavation and and having open days for school kids and things like that, which usually I end up just kind of either like slinking away and helping people park their cars or making coffee. Cause, um, 
So that's usually what I do, but, but I, I enjoy this medium of like talking to archaeologists. I, and I mean, if you don't have somebody to make the coffee, what is really the point of being there? Quite honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, last time, last time I was like telling the museum director, I was like, oh, you know, I had all these lists of suggestions and how we could make it even better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, as you know, so I, I I know it is public outreach, but I just for some reason I I just mm-hmm. as that I just viewed as uh, <laughs> just having fun and talking to people. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell as you. Far as, Go ahead. I was just gonna say, as far as feedback, uh, any more feedback, or like you said, yeah, I don't I don't really get a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, I, I of course don't let that uh, keep you down. Like I said, that's I mean we've got over a thousand episodes total on the archaeology podcast network now and and uh i could probably count the number of comments you know on just a couple of hands <laughs> that we've actually received if <laughs> people just don't have time like i said so I don't, I don't take it as a personal offense what i yeah. look at is that the number curves on our analytics are going up which means people are listening and people <clears> are interacting <throat> but that being said i mean we're i haven't checked the numbers yet today i'm kind of waiting until tomorrow um because I'm, I'm really excited about it, but we're on the pace to hit 40,000 monthly subscribers to the APN. And that's across all nice. our shows, not just like one particular show. So right. yeah, it, but even with those numbers, like we were at the Great Basin Archaeology Conference here in Reno um, back in October, beginning of October, and I, I chaired a session called um, uh, Technology in the Archaeology in the 21st Century or something like that. And one of them was podcasting is public outreach and that's one of the papers i gave and uh i had a room of probably i don't know 30 people and i do this every time i've, I've presented on archaeology a lot of times at the saas the last few years at different conferences and i ask i always start by asking people who knows what a podcast is and most people these days raise their hand that they at least know what one is and then i say do you listen to any shows in the archaeology podcast network and even at the at the GBAX, when we had, you know, we were at about 35,000 monthly subscribers, you know, like four hands went up. <laughs> I'm like, you guys right. are archaeologists. What are you listening to? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but somebody's listening. And that's, I think, really the point is is as long as as long as long one person's listening, I don't care who they are, but as long as one person's listening and, and maybe they tell somebody else about it or maybe they, they, they squirrel away a little piece of knowledge that they can pull out at some point and, uh, and really – you know, dispel some sort of myth or, or tell somebody, no, that's not actually how it is. I heard it on a podcast and it's actually this way. And that's, I think that thought that that's actually happening is kind of what keeps me going. Um, yeah. and, and really keeps me, keeps me going. That being said, when we do get feedback, I just got an email yesterday that was probably, it was probably the best email I've ever received, um, for podcasting. And it was just this person who was, you know, she was not even in archeology. span She's, she'd gotten out of it and she was working another job and, kind of feeling down about her decisions, even though she was making good money and, and had great benefits, which you don't always get in archaeology. So she was enjoying that. And then she found our podcast and, and learned through listening to that for the last couple of years that, you know, you're, it's not always a linear path. It's always it's it's different steps you can take and you can get out of it for a while and come back in and be there waiting for you and all these things. And now she's back in archaeology and applying to grad school. And it's because of listening to the CRM Archaeology podcast for the last couple of years. And I was like, that is fantastic. I love hearing that kind of feedback. But sometimes it takes a couple of years before you can get that kind of feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's a great uh, story, I think. And I think what you exactly said is being archaeologists, like, it's not a linear path. You know, we all can't be, we all can't be professors at some Ivy League college, right? right. I mean, right. the jobs aren't there. It's just the... Mm-hmm. You know, so the or the yeah, the openings aren't there. So it's you just have to make it. You have to make your own thing, like you you guys have done. 
mm-hmm. thing. And that's yeah. really cool. And using the technology that we have and kind of taking it to the next level. Right. Exactly. Well, um, you know, I was wondering, uh, have you thought about, we, we talked a little bit early on, in the, I think in the first segment about uh, kind of where you get your guests and, and things like that and sending out emails. But I would like to make a suggestion to you to check out some of the, the CRM related uh, groups on, on Facebook, like Archeo Field Techs. I'm a moderator over there. There's almost 2000 members, I think. And uh, and then the North American Archaeological Tech Forum is a little bit smaller, but uh, still has a lot of field technicians. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen some I've seen some pretty crazy meals and I've seen pretty fantastic meals made on like CRM camping projects. Um, I think I I was just telling somebody this the other day. We had one project where at some point on one of the 10 day sessions out in the middle of nowhere in central Nevada, it ended up being like seven guys out there camping. I don't know how that worked out. We had women on the crew before and I can't remember what led to this, but it was like seven guys. And on one night, we had all being cooked mostly on shovels around the campfire, like tinfoil covered shovels. We had like eight different kinds of meat cooking and we didn't plan that, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was an interesting night. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, different things like that. So it's definitely, uh, definitely an untapped resource. And I think just putting some feelers out over there and saying, Hey, you got any interesting, uh, any interesting recipes, start the conversation that way. And then they've all got stories. So, all right, that's great. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm, I'm a little, uh, light on, getting North American archaeologists on the show. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I really, uh, yeah, that would, that's a great idea. Great idea. I'll do, I'll do that. I'm sure April's it, got some good field stories too with that. Oh yeah. We have a really good secret family recipe for uh, ramen with Asian vegetables. Nice. <laughs> our go-to field food. And it's literally packages of ra- Oriental flavor ramen. Because <laughs> yep. That's, that's the one. And, uh, cans and the frozen vegetables. Of- well, it's not frozen. It's those canned like art- or, uh, water chestnuts and oh, bamboo yeah. sprouts. And yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, to keep with the theme. And that's a uh, <laughs> that's one of our outback <laughs> field foods. That's great. That's great. I love to hear that. Yeah, the two things I really hate are those cans water chestnuts and those <laughs> was it, canned bamboo shoots. Gotta go. Well, you mix them with ramen and it just elevates everything to a new yeah. level. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, awesome. I was. I was going to say that another good source, and this is also a plug, is that the SAA has a student Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, for right. its SAA student members. And, you know, I'll say that students are always looking for chances to talk about research and promote themselves. So yes. I'm, as I'm sure you've run into as you're talking about <clears throat> the composition of who's willing to talk to you and get back to you. And Yeah, that's true. I do get a lot of uh, PhD students who are – yeah, great guests. Great guests. Yeah, yeah. A lot of ramen recipes with those PhD students, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could probably make an entire field cookbook on cooking with ramen, like the different ways. <laughs> yes, you probably could. Yeah. Who would buy it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess uh, if I, I think it would be a copy passed around to other field archaeologists. Like one oh, copy okay. would get purchased, and then it would just get photocopied and passed around. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Nice, exactly. nice. Yeah, April. Both April's parents are archaeologists, so I'm sure she she grew up on field cooking. So it kind of explains oh, a lot, wow. really. It does. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I'll eat anything. Almost anything is considered an edible dish in my household. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, as we start wrapping up this podcast, Colin, is there anything um, anything that you wanted to 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 let us know about what you've got what you've got going on in the future or or anything like that um, that we want to tell our audience? Um, no, we're just gonna be uh, you know continuing kind of pressing forward with 
getting interviews and publishing those whenever we can. And um, we're going to, Chris, my uh, co-creator, she's going to be working on the Twitter page. We're going to start doing that, trying that out. Um, I'm not really a big fan of it, like, just because mm -hmm. I got, so, well, she's she's running the social media aspect, like Facebook and stuff like that. So yeah. we're going to start doing that. So um, other than that, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, you know, grow and build the audience. That's it. That's the main goal right now is just mm -hmm. trying to grow our audience and well, it's a good uh, product. Is, is your co co blogger, Chris, it's Christine. Uh, what, what's her full name? Uh, Santos bond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is she ever on the podcast or is she just maintaining the, the blog and social media side of it? She's just doing the social media. We had talked about it. We had actually talked about maybe doing a bilingual one. Like she could, she lives in Barcelona so we were thinking about doing one in uh, in Spanish as well, but she really didn't want it. She she thought it would just be better if I stuck with being the host and interview mm -hmm. people. And she she tries to get um, guests, and um, she, a lot of the good, you know, a lot of the guests, at least half of them, she's gotten. So that's been great. And awesome. And you know, it's good to have a sounding board. You know, someone to to kind of be in there with you. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, to help to help you kind of it's always good to have someone else by you've your got, side so you've got a producer that's awesome <laughs> that's what she is yeah yeah so it's good it's good so we just kind of like sound each other you know give each you know i throw out my ideas where i want to go with it everything and we, yeah you know and that's how mm -hmm. and it works out well works out well nice so we'll, we're just get more you know it's just all about the content right so mm -hmm. so it's not your podcast but one of the things you briefly mentioned is a ted talk yeah. Is that something our audience can track down? Uh yeah, it's on uh it's on YouTube right now. It just came out and I guess you just have to Google my name. Yep, I I found it actually and if you're interested in watching his TED Talk, it's about 10 minutes I think. Um and you can uh the link will be in the show notes for this podcast. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. That was really interesting. I, what what do you think what was the TED Talk experience like? I mean, I know it's a TEDx, so they're <clears> typically <throat> a little smaller. Was there a big yeah, audience? Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't very, it was big enough. You know, mm. it was big enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, yeah. You know, it was, I think it was like 150 people. So uh, that was fine. Um, it was, uh, it was interesting because it's, it's 10 minutes and they're mm -hmm. really strict on those 10 minutes. Oh yeah. And we did a couple, we did prep, you know, I prepped like a month over, like, yeah, a month at least, you know, going back and forth. Um with the uh, with the uh, organizers with it, and then the day before you have another prep, and they do change your stuff. I mean, some people they they didn't, but a lot of people I talked to the other people give speakers, and they said, yeah, they they changed stuff around. So you're like, oh my god, you just rearranged everything. And so <laughs> afterwards, you know, you all went through the same experience, and so then there's like this really nice uh, community feeling afterwards. Um, and some of them were, yeah, the ones I saw, I mean, they were all, everyone was good. And, and I did see, managed to see a, a few of them and they're, I was, how, what people do, mm -hmm. how they do it and how they, how they present themselves in front of an audience and the confidence that they have. It's, it's yeah. really impressive. So well, I imagine, firing. I imagine podcasting helped a little bit with that. Cause this isn't like a Ted talks, of course, aren't like a, your typical conference presentation where you're 
most of your people are standing up there rigidly holding on to the to the lectern and, and just reading a paper and not making any eye contact whatsoever and you know awkwardly clicking their slides <laughs> you looked yeah you, you definitely looked like you had some preparation because you were up there you know you weren't staring down at the thing you know and it was really good and, it, and that takes a lot of work to get ready for yeah yeah i think i read that thing uh 50 times <laughs> and to be honest with you, it was real. I could not. They wanted you to memorize it, but I just couldn't memorize the. I couldn't memorize it. I couldn't. I couldn't get up there and do it on the fly. I just felt like it. <laughs> there was so much information that you wanted to get out in ten minutes. Yeah. And so they wanted professional, and I was like, okay. And you know, so I do. I did have like a, a teleprompter, and it was kind of funny because it was. It was just a. It was just a computer screen. You know, mm-hmm. just the. It was just my presentation. And a few other people had the same thing, but the woman who was doing, it, who ran the, um, she was in charge of all the the uh, presentations. She was great. But as I was, I was talking, she's kind of scrolling down, and every few, every every so often, like it would readjust itself, so the words, everything would start moving, and I'm, and then my I, my heart, I'm like panicking, like oh my god, don't be that guy, right? Don't, <laughs> you know, uh, but maybe you get more. You maybe if I had a complete meltdown, I'd get you'd get a lot of hits on your YouTube. <laughs> you probably would. Yeah, I don't think they're the kind of hits you want, but you get a lot of hits. For no, sure. exactly. Yeah, you get a lot of hits. Like, be sure to scramble to that. On... <laughs> scramble over to that YouTube channel and get your podcast link in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Um, thanks a lot, Colin, for doing this. And uh, if anybody's interested in anything else from Colin, we've got his website and that TED Talk linked into the show notes for this episode at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeology forward slash seven for this episode. So check that out. Colin, again, thanks a lot. And uh, we look forward to many more great podcasts and the uh, hopefully some sort of Kickstarter campaign to come out for the cookbook. <laughs> we'll oh, that's a good that idea. Too. Yeah. That's a great. Thank, thanks, Chris and April. I really appreciate it. Thanks for everything. Thanks for listening to the Archaeology Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can provide feedback using the contact button on the right side of the website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeology. Or you can email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Please like and share the show wherever you saw it so more people can have a chance to listen and learn. Send us show suggestions and follow ArcPodNet on Twitter and Instagram. This show was produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network. Opinions are solely those of the hosts and guests of the show. However, the APN stands by their hosts. This show is edited by Christopher Sims of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Go check it out. Check out our next episode in two weeks. And in the meantime, keep learning, keep discovering new things, and keep listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Have an awesome day.
been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to arcpodnet.com slash members for more info. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.